are listening to the Unsung Lung Podcast, presented by Alberta Lung. And welcome back to the Unsung Lung Podcast. As always, my name is Jacob Sperling, and I am lucky enough to be the host of our show. Thank you for listening on your favorite platform, and I hope that you enjoy today's program. I do have to say that I am very excited and a little nervous for today's episode, and I'll say why that is in just a second. But first, just some housekeeping items. A reminder that you can visit www.ablung.ca for all the lung health information you'll ever need. On our website, you can find information about different lung diseases, see research programs that we've funded in the past, and browse through the different health and charitable programs that I have the pleasure of looking after. A program that I would like to highlight today is our Breathe Smart Education program. The initiative has slowed down a bit over the summer months as it is primarily a school-driven program, but if you have a summer school class or a club that would love to hear our virtual lung health presentation, we would love to provide it for you. Breathe Smart is our educational program that covers everything from smoking and lung cancer to COPD and air quality. We love sharing our knowledge and spreading the word with youth throughout the province, so if you know of a group who would like to participate in one of our sessions, reach out to me at jsperling at ablung.ca and I'll set that up right away. Now, for today's show, we have a very special guest and an important one in terms of my career as a health promotion coordinator. Why I mentioned earlier that I'm both excited and nervous for this episode is because I'm interviewing my boss. Her name is Lee Allard, and she is the president and CEO of Alberta Lung. In all seriousness, the interview today is going to be great. We're discussing a project that Alberta Lung is taking on called Breathing Space. This building will be one of a kind in Canada. It will house lung transplant patients close to the university hospital, which is exactly what they need for their recovery. Lee has been a champion of this project for quite some time now, and today we'll be taking a deeper dive into why this kind of facility is needed and all the good that will come from the day that it opens its doors and well far into the future. So without any more delays, let's get right into the interview with my boss, Lee Allard. I am very excited to welcome Lee Allard, President and CEO of Alberta Lung, to the Unsung Lung Podcast. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today, Lee. Thank you so much, Jacob. It's wonderful to be here with you and your listeners. Absolutely. So before we dive into breathing space and what the facility will provide to those struggling with severe lung diseases, can we talk a little about your background with Alberta Lung and your journey with the organization? Absolutely. I've been with Alberta Lung for now 22 plus years, and it's been an absolute pleasure and joy. Every day I wake up um, 
feeling so fulfilled and rewarded to being able to help people every day, uh, whether it's talking to patients or families or donors. Um, there is such a large community that we serve, and it is such a pleasure. I come to it naturally, been here a long time, um, because I myself have asthma, and so do my twins. And so I can speak about it passionately. While I don't have a severe lung disease, I certainly understand the struggles to breathe and the stigma that sometimes is associated with uh, various lung diseases. And I just feel so passionate that everybody deserves to breathe easier. And so I still feel there's so much more that I and the organization can do for so many more people. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you here, even though I know we, t- we talked about the questions I was going to ask, but I want to ask you what your favorite part of working for Alberta Lung is. Is it engaging with patients? Is it attending events and, and speaking about who we are? What's your favorite part? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, there's so many aspects, but I really, really love dealing with our families and donors. I love hearing their stories. That's the first and foremost. You know, when you ask somebody, "What do you? Why do you? You know, why do you give to the organization?" Or what gets you up in the day and how do you deal with your lung disease? Like, tell me more about you. You know, it's surprising that how many people don't ask a simple question like that. Tell me about you. And I love that. I love hearing their stories and gathering more information that says, tells me about them. And that's why I'm here to really understand people better because everybody has a story. Everybody has a passion and they want to do good in the world or they need help and support, but they just need someone to listen to them. And I really do love that. I I love the people, not to mention the great um, staff that we have. They are incredible advocates and patient and kind to people. That's what people need. And uh, I love that Um, between the staff and the people we work with. It's just incredible. I love the work I do. Right. I completely agree. Since, since we're coworkers, I can call you a coworker. I love this, the staff. It's, it's honestly a joy. I don't think of it as work to, to come into to the office. So I agree with you on that. So enough gushing about our work and how lucky we are. Let's dive into breathing space. So I'm curious about kind of lung transplant overall and the history of lung transplant in Edmonton. And so where are we today? How have, how have we gotten to this point? And, and, um, I guess the need for a house like this, but what, what's the history of lung transplant in, in Edmonton? That's a great question. Uh, lung transplant has been around for over 25 plus years, uh, led by an incredible uh, doctor, Dr. Dale Lean. It's been just incredible, the innovation and the help that, and the performance of transplant that they've done. It's just amazing to me. Um, more so, they've built a program in Edmonton. Edmonton is actually one of four centers in Canada. Uh, there were five and now there's four. And Edmonton in particular services the largest geographical area of the country, serving all the territories, northern BC, obviously all of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And if you know lungs are available and there's a match in other parts of the country, people will come here. So it's, it's such an incredible program that they've built in Edmonton at the University Hospital. And 
I don't know if you knew, Jacob, it's not, it's the second largest uh, doing lung transplant in Canada. And in transplant overall, because there's lots of transplants that are done in Edmonton, it's six in the world. That's just incredible. We are such humble, Canadians overall are humble people, but Edmontonians, especially the transplant group, they really you know, do such incredible work. And we are so fortunate when people come to do transplant, lung transplant here, uh, you have world-class leaders and experts here that we are so fortunate to have. And the program has built up so much. Uh, COVID certainly um, threw things for a curveball in, in everything we did in our lives and especially uh, in the hospitals, but they are back up and running stronger than ever and helping more people. Overall, transplant um, in Alberta has come a long way in the sense of organ donation is really important. So without a more organ donation, you don't have enough organs to actually you know, a supply for the demand that's out there. So we really have worked hard as an organization to work with patient advocates and other organ groups, et cetera, and government to really look at and find a way that we can increase organ donation. And over the years, it actually has helped. We've created as a collective uh, a registry so people can go and renew their license and talk about, I'd like to put that on my license and be an organ donor, which is so incredible. And so collectively working together, we have created this organ donation registry that people can register their intention. So which is so important because you can save so many lives, not just lung tissues, etc. You can create such a gift, you know, for tomorrow and helping more people. It's just incredible. And for the innovation, lung transplant, uh, like other organs when transplanting, um, you really uh, needed and the need for innovation was really needed over the years. And so the university hospital around the world, but incredible uh, innovation and research there, they created this incredible uh, machine called an ex vivo machine where they can keep lungs alive for several, several hours and work on them and get them pumped up with medication without getting too detailed for you. Your, uh, listeners to really understand and make sure that they are prepped and ready for their best state before they're translated into a donor. It's just incredible. The recipient is so fortunate to have this technology and the innovation there. So to make give them their best chance at um, no rejection, et cetera. So there's always complications to any surgery. And so we want to give everybody, the recipients and patients, the best chance um, uh, moving forward, uh, living their second chance at life. So we are so fortunate with the organ donation registry and innovation. We've come a long way in in Alberta and across lung transplant across the world, but especially in Edmonton. And we're so fortunate to have such an exceptional program right here uh, in our backyard. So, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. We, we think of our, ourselves as humble little Edmonton and humble little Alberta on the prairies, but we, we offer a lot more than just cowboys and, and stuff like that, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, so just, I, I was thinking about lung transplant. I, I haven't really I guess sat and thought about it too hard because I, I'm I'm busy doing all our health programs. But when you think about it, lung transplant, that's such an invasive surgery. And I know we don't want to get into specifics, but just your lungs are something you use every day. There's such there's a, they're a large organ, right? So can you speak to I guess how difficult, not difficult of a surgery it is, but just 
how much uh, of an undertaking that is for, for the recipients. Right. It absolutely is for these folks. It is a huge surgery, no matter what type of uh, lung surgery you're getting, whether a double, double lung transplant, single, there's variations and, you know, I won't get into technical terms, nor am I a physician or a surgeon, um, but it is, it's, it's quite an undertaking. Some people actually even have a, a lung and heart uh, transplant. So it, it's tremendous. And it's, Again, when you think about if, if people can think about the patients that are going through this journey, they can be young and they can be much older. So it does. it's not one demographic um, that has a lung transplant. It can be a range. And so when you get to that stage where you have to have a lung transplant, you have lived such a debilitating you know, life not breathing well, like it's been challenging, significantly challenging for these folks where they've ended up on oxygen and just like walking across the room or having a shower just takes the life out of these poor folks. And so really the journey to getting here has been long and hard for them. And so we really you know, having transplant as an option for these folks, it is their second chance at life. And so really making sure that um, emotionally, physically, um, that they are prepared um, for this. There is a huge financial commitment too for uh, lung transplant and being part of any program in Canada. And especially in Edmonton, as it serves the largest geographical area in the country, People come from all sorts, over 65 plus percent of patients in our program in Edmonton come from outside of the Edmonton area. And so that is a huge commitment for folks. And so when you think about that and what they have to go through, um, they need a lot of supports, not just from their families and their community, but when they get to Edmonton, it's difficult challenging for them. And so the path to transplant is emotional. It is mental. Um, They need mental support and the financial commitment. They go through a rigorous process to come here and be assessed. And one of those, and they need to be honest with patients, is the financial commitment because they have to be here from anywhere from a month for the assessment, month to a couple months, to up to a year if there's complications post-transplant. And so there's no way of knowing, like I said earlier, um, any uh, surgery has risk. And so you never know what's going to happen. And these families have to be prepared. And you have to keep in mind, these families, whether young or whatever age they are coming to us, they have financial commitments at home. They may have mortgages, they have families, they have utilities, they have you know other financial commitments in their own home, own town, et cetera businesses, work commitments, et cetera, when they move to Edmonton, they have to park all that, still continue to pay all that and pay for new accommodations, new travel expenses. These are out-of-pocket expenses. While we are so fortunate in Canada that the surgery itself Everything in the hospital is paid for. We live in an incredible healthcare system that pays for all that, but it's the out-of-pocket expenses. And because the undetermined timeline of how long they would be here is, it's a big commitment. These folks are out-of-pocket for tens of thousands of dollars, let alone if they had to sell their business, they had to quit their job because there was no extra health benefits for them to extend their absentee. Uh, from their workplace, 
That's huge. That's huge. That's a big sacrifice, let alone if they get loans or, you know, um, they do fundraising in their community, but it never seems to be enough. And that's the sad and sad part of this. And we live in such a tremendous country that it is up to us to help support these people. And so as a charity and an organization, learning this and through stories. And so how this really came to be, we started getting phone calls at our organization, people asking us about the financial aspects. Do you have some funding? Do you have supports that you could help me with this journey and and help me through this? And there was one uh, story in particular that really struck a chord with us. Um, We got a phone call from the Transplant Group, which does an amazing job, and from a family, and they are from BC. And they said, uh, we are coming down to Edmonton to be assessed for transplant. And we wanted to know if you had any financial assistance. And at the time, this is many years ago, we didn't have any financial assistance programs. And so we said, we hadn't thought about that. Tell us more. When you get here, tell us more. And we want to listen and we want to hear more from you. Understand what the challenge is and understand how we can help came in, uh, chatted with us, went through their assessment, et cetera. And they talked to us during their their assessment and then after. And so we understood there were financial commitments, et cetera. And we thought more, wow. So we talked to the program more and said, are there more folks like this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the program does a great job in helping them assess any supports that they may need. And so this family went back to BC and we got a phone call from this gentleman who was going through, was going to be accepted into the program. And he said, I need to tell you something. I need you to come and see me in BC and I want to tell my story overall. And we said, sure, that sounds fantastic. We love hearing from patients and families and telling their story because we need to share that with people. They need to understand it better. So we went to BC and we heard his story and we were shocked. He said to us, he sat us down and said, you know what, folks, I love my family. I love my life. Sorry, I make it emotional because this is so sad. At the time, it was just devastating for us to hear, but it is so important for people to hear that story. So he said to us, Um, I love my life. I love my family. And I'm so happy that I have this opportunity to go through lung transplant, but I'm not going to do it. And so we were shocked. He was very calm. He had had time to think about this and really put it in perspective. And he said, I don't want to bankrupt my family so that I can have a second chance at life. And I was shocked to hear that. He said, in order to financially afford to live in Edmonton, and go through transplant. He said, I would have to, we would have to sell our family home. We would have to cash in our savings. He said the community had been really good at helping to fundraise and that. He said, but I just know it wouldn't be enough. And I don't want to put them out. He was a proud man, but he was willing to accept some help, but it just wouldn't be enough. And he said, I won't do that to my family. He said, I want them to live and be happy moving on in their future, especially his wife and children. So he took himself off the transplant list and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. So we, you know, we talked to our board and said, oh my goodness, we have to help this family, whatever it takes. So we said, we will help you with housing or whatever you need. Like we are here to help you. And he said, no, he was so sweet. He said, no, dear. He said, it's okay. 
He said, I am okay with this decision. He said, but I want you to tell me, tell my story so that you can go on and figure out a way to help more people in the future. So we took as sad it was, it was. And sadly, he died a few months after um, because he did not, he took himself off the list, et cetera. So he sadly died a few months later. Uh, what he did do also um, before he passed away, we had talked to him when we came home with him, a story in that. And we said, this story will not die. Your memory will live on. And uh, what I didn't mention earlier is that he was also an artist. And so he, his family, after he passed away, he sent, um, they sent a, one of his paintings uh, to us. And one of his final wishes is that we take that painting and we showcase it somehow, some way he didn't know at the time um, to make sure people knew his story and it, his memory would live on. So from that, that really just elevated and motivated us to learn more about what the need was, how can we help, et cetera. We started right away a, an assistance program that would help people. While we didn't have infinite, infinite amount of money to help support people on an ongoing basis, but we had something. So we jumped into there, we worked with the program, we still do today, we provide financial assistance with their accommodations or medications, whatever that is over and above that the health system doesn't cover, we're there to help support them because everybody's need is different. Some people can't even afford their cell bill to keep in touch with their family. So we're going to help them. So we really um, put some action um, oriented programs and services in, into place. And we said, we're going to do this. But bigger than that, we said, what else can we do? While the organ donation registry was up and running, innovation was evolving in there for people to make sure that we had more organs, viable organs to, uh, to give to recipients as a community. There's more. And so we worked hard to figuring that out and the really the evolution of what we now call breathing space. This would be Canada's first home away from home for lung transplant patients and families. Um, it will be the sanctuary for these families, giving this much needed, hence the name, breathing space in their fight to regain their strength and vitality and go back to their communities and live that second chance at life. So that's where things have really evolved to um, with how this came to be to us and hearing this to where we are today. Right. That's so, that's so amazing. And, and I, I have to be completely honest when you were telling the, the story of that, of the man, I, I got goosebumps. I got chills. I wasn't expecting to have that this morning on our podcast, but that, that's the first time that's happened in podcast history, but it, it just shows how needed this facility is. Right. And, and how, how much, work has to go in. Our health system is a great one in Canada. We can't complain uh, in terms of the surgery would be, I, I'd imagine, astronomical in price if we had to pay for that ourselves, if people who needed a lung transplant needed to pay that themselves, plus accommodation, plus food, plus this, that, and the other. So yeah, it, it, it's really amazing the work that Alberta Lung is trying to do in, in setting up this facility. So you gave a general overview of what breathing space is, and it's it's a home away from home for people who need lung transplants. So, but I'm kind of curious to know when the house is fully operational, what can patients and their families expect to see, and what kind of amenities will there be? And I guess 
how are they living now versus what they can expect to receive when the when breathing space is, is completed? That's a great question. Um, in working with a lot of our patients who were helping and families um, with our financial assistance program here, it was shocking to us, sh- absolutely shocking to us. And like anybody, if, if you are focused and you're going to do something, put your mind to something, you will do whatever it takes, ever it takes. And so hearing from some of our folks and actually visiting them in some of their accommodations, well, not all, but some, it's just deplorable. And it's so sad. And I want so much more for these folks. And so some of them are living in horrible basement suites that are musty, moldy, old, it's leaky. It's just horrible. Some have moved their trailers out here and living in them year round. And as everybody knows, Edmonton's a Northern city and it's cold in the winter here. And so these folks are pulling their trailers here and living in them year round. And that's just, they can't do that. That's just not a healthy situation for them. Um, or they're, they can't even afford it, but they are, they're living in hotel rooms, et cetera, to live in a hotel room with no kitchen facilities, et cetera. It's just been so hard on these folks. And so, and expensive, like they're going into significant debt or they've sold everything and living in these conditions. And so breathing space, we're really excited about breathing space that we can build this home away from home. So I want your listeners to imagine. So We have land, we have land, and we are going to build a four-story home away from home for these folks. So when you walk in, there will be an incredible uh, welcome, welcome, um, welcoming lobby and area. A living wall will span the the entire four stories that will be in the lobby area. And so uh, for those that know plants and you have them in your homes, that they clean the air around you. Plants are a living, breathing thing that can clean the air around you. So we want this to be an inviting, warm space for people. So when they come in, they're going to see this bright, airy, um, welcoming lobby. And then it opens up to this incredible uh, lounge and family room that really gives them those creature comforts of home that then leads into the dining and kitchen, the warm kitchen. Kitchens of everybody's home is like the heart of a home for everybody. People gather around the island, tell stories, you know, hang out, the creature comforts of food and, you know, making food together. We'll also have amazing volunteers and people from the community. We have hotels and catering companies that are dying to come in and cook for people. People love cooking for other people, especially when they're not feeling well or having a bad day. And so we'll have all those creature comforts of home and and people can cook themselves, etc. And then they go up to their beautiful suites. My goodness, they're going to be beautiful big windows for them to look out onto these beautiful, the area that we've chosen is near the university hospital. And so the treed, a treed community that uh, it's just beautiful. And the community has been so welcoming to our concept and what we want to do. And so they're looking forward to welcoming people from whether in the Edmonton area or, or from far away from their home and community to making sure they feel loved and supported in the community as well. There's a tree and there's a park across the street from us. And you'll be able to see the skyline of the downtown area, just 
to feel that, you know, you're home, you're home for not a long time, but we want them to feel at home here. This is their home away from home. And the suites will have all the amenities, wheelchair accessible. Um, there will be beautiful, spacious um, bathroom and the living spaces, some soft seating for them to sit and read and keep in touch with their family, let alone um, the beautiful bed and the surroundings, the warm spaces, the colors that will make them feel that home away from home. Not to mention, we are going to provide, um, we have many support groups, and so we'll be able to house them in our facility virtually and in person because some of our support group uh, folks who are not going through transplant just yet, they can actually be part of the conversation through technology. The whole building will be built with technology and the modern um, necessities that they need. And so having those support groups will have an amazing spiritual room as well for people who come from come to us with various uh, faiths and beliefs, and we will have that for them. Not to mention, people have asked us about a craft room. We actually have volunteers who want to come and make quilts for people. Wrapping them around with love would be incredible for these folks. And also they can help with crafts, whether it's painting, um, whether it's woodworking, like we can do a variety of things in our craft room to help people get their mind off what they're living with day to day. Not to mention, we'll have a theater room. So people can just sit back, enjoy a movie. We can have, play games, etc. We want people to, sometimes you just need to take your mind off what's happening and just do something different. And so we will provide that. And the amount of volunteers and people that want to step up and help with this home has already been incredible. While we're not there quite yet, we have welcoming and opening our doors yet. We certainly have a wealth of volunteers and professionals that are willing and, and able to help us. Not to mention, I should say, it's very important to keep your lungs conditioned and for um, the families as well who are there supporting their loved ones to stay fit. And so there'll be various, you know, activities that we can provide yoga, we can have a walking machine, we can, we have various things to really help people who are able to, they can actually uh, use the fitness room, etc. And our staff will be there, all of our staff and volunteers will be there to support them through this entire journey for them. Awesome. Amazing. That's so cool. And I, I can't wait to see it in person. So you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but how I see breathing space personally through looking at the renderings on our website, you can see them yourself and and just picturing the home. And we, we obviously call it a home away from home and it's going to be homey. It's going to be cozy. But when when I feel like when we talk about it like that, people just think it's going to be this small little bungalow, this home away from home, but it's not. It's this big, spacious, modern building that's like it, it's it's big. It's not small. It's going to house a lot of people. Is that is that kind of a fair analysis? Absolutely. Um, we we researched this. You know, we didn't just decide one day, like I said earlier, we have researched and worked with patients and the experts, but also we researched and we toured other home away from homes that service other communities. And so we really learned amazing things that were so generous and kind and helping us that our need 
like many, but our need is so great. We needed to build a bigger facility, not a two bedroom home, et cetera. We needed to build a bigger home for these folks because there are people waiting for transplant that would come to Evan because they live so far away. They have to be close to the program to those doing transplant. They just had surgery and they have to stay in the area uh, post-transplant for a wee bit, uh, depending on how they are. And so we needed to make sure that we had space for all these folks and more, let alone people coming in to, to participate in the support groups or, you know, helping us other things. We, this is going to be a hub hub of constant activity and a home for people. So we needed to build something bigger. So we built, we're going to build a four story home away from home. And I, I agree with you, Jacob, when you look at the renderings and I'll encourage everybody near the end of our chat to go to our website and see the renderings. It is incredible. We're working with such incredible architectural team. And so they've really built, well, it looks, you know, some aspects modern, but it's really warm and inviting. And, oh, I didn't mention earlier, we're going to have a rooftop garden. That is incredible that people can actually plant things, flowers and vegetables, et cetera, that you can actually or just sit out there in a quiet day in the evening um, and just enjoy the fresh air and, and just enjoy what you're looking at. The treetops that all around them, the sounds of the birds and the trees rustling. It'll just be a calming, relaxing, inviting space. And so we're so excited about it. Yeah, for sure. It sounds honestly like a place that I won't be able to work at because I'll just be enjoying <laughs> all the amenities. I'll be sitting on the garden and you'll come out and say, get back to work. You have important <laughs> things to do. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's so amazing. So in, in coming, kind of closing off our conversation, I'm curious as to what stage breathing space is at as of today. That's a great question. So as I briefly mentioned, we have um, land in a beautiful community near the University of Alberta Hospital, which is incredible. Um, so we have the land, it's, it's getting prepped and ready. We're in the middle of fundraising. So we need to raise a significant amount of money to start building this place. And so our fundraising goal overall is $15 million. And I know that sounds like an incredible, unattainable number, but I wanna reassure your listeners this is what it's going to take to operate and build this place. And so I want people to know that this is something we will, you know, achieve. We have an incredible campaign cabinet um, that are extremely passionate. Um, many of them have personal stories of connectivity to lung health and why this is so important. And they are such compassionate people. And together, with our incredible board and staff and this cabinet, we are going to raise this money and get this built. And we hope that the sooner we can raise the money and people get involved, um, the sooner we can start breaking ground. Absolutely. I have no doubts in my mind that this will be built and it'll be such an amazing facility for everyone to enjoy and, and just heal in. So I think as a last question, we'll, we'll wrap it up after this one. What would you say if you could give kind of a short one minute speech? And I know we've talked about why breathing space is so important throughout this entire podcast, but if you could give a little summary as to why breathing space is so important for, for everyone across Canada, not only in Alberta, uh, how, what, what would you say to them? And, and maybe how can they learn more about and help our initiative? Great question. So if I sum it all up, 
breathing space will be the first of its kind in Canada. And no one should ever have to choose between life-saving surgery and finances because we as a community need to build this home to save more lives and it can be done. So I encourage your listeners and anyone they know, please spread the word to go to our website, ablunga.ca, or give us a call. We love talking to people. So call 888-774-5864 to get more information. We have incredible information and a variety of uh, levels that everybody can give to. I mean, everyone, this isn't just people giving millions of dollars. This is everybody's level and everybody can feel like they have put a brick, a pebble in this amazing pond that will ripple effect to building breathing space. So, and as one patient said to me, and I'll quote what he said, your kindness today will provide support and help to people who struggle to breathe. He is such an amazing man and is struggling every day right now, uh, waiting for his lung transplant, but he needs you to know that your kindness will make a difference. So thank you so much, Jacob, for this opportunity to tell everybody about this exciting, exciting home that we look forward to building and servicing more Canadian Canadians. And so thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's been amazing to talk about this house and just personally for myself, I'd like to extend a thank you to you, Lee. In, in, in two cases, I just, I see you as such a role model for myself in terms of how hard, not hard, but how, how hard you're working for this, for this amazing campaign and, and this facility. And, and also I'd like to thank you for giving me my opportunity as, as a health promotion coordinator at Alberta Lung. It's, it's been one of the most amazing experiences I've had in my life in interacting with patients and and being able to help people and and hearing the joy in their in their voice when we're able to to help them financially help them with health equipment help them with anything that we can so I just look forward to continuing on working with Alberta Lung and and just continue to get bigger because we're we're gonna keep getting bigger and with with breathing space it'll be an amazing place to kind of hub all of our initiatives uh, our lung transplant patients everyone all in one um, amazing space so thank you for being here today well thank you for your kind words and you're an amazing addition to our team you know having that you know mesh in our office and connectivity and making sure that everybody works well together you are an incredible addition Jacob and we are so happy to have you on board and I look forward to working with you for many more years ahead because I see big things uh, in your future you've already just creating this podcast has been <laughs> incredible this is again I don't know how this works, but you do such an amazing job. So I can't thank you enough. And this opportunity to talk to more people because lung disease, unfortunately affects one in five Canadians and it's a lot of people. So if you think about that, um, or even one in five in Alberta, that's close to a million people have a form of a lung disease. And so there's so many people we need to help. So the road is endless and we are going to do it, Jacob, uh, together with you and I and our amazing team and volunteers and community. We are going to help more people breathe easier. So thank you very much again. Absolutely. Perfect. So thank you for coming on and talking about breathing space. Um, it's been an absolute treat. So with that, I will send it to the outro. It was truly an honor to sit down and speak with Lee about breathing space. 
I know that the house is going to be such an amazing place for healing, storytelling, and just simple fellowship between those going through similar experiences. As always, I'll conclude today's episode with three takeaways that stood out to me from the interview. The first is just about how the University Hospital in Edmonton serves the largest geographical area in the country for lung transplants. That's so amazing to think about and just all the people that have to leave up and leave their lives, come here, get accommodations, a place to live, keep feeding themselves all while not working. So they're just siphoning out of their savings and, and, and how hard that can be for a family, an individual, really anybody. The second point that I've taken away from this episode in the interview is just all the amenities that will be available at Breathing Space. I think it's so incredible. Things like the rooftop garden that Lee mentioned and a large kitchen that people can gather around and and talk and tell stories and cook together and the living wall. Personally, that's probably one of my favorite aspects that I heard about. I love plants. So a living wall that's four stories tall in like a giant main lobby area. It's so incredible to think about. I'm just thinking, I'm picturing, I'm imagining the amazing kind of welcoming experience that it'll be for first time uh, patients in, in breathing space and seeing that wall and being able to breathe better from a living wall. And then obviously something as cool as the theater room that's that's all, all obviously just goes without saying i think we'd all like a theater room a theater room in our own home so that's it's it's really incredible the third and final point that i'd like to mention here today and probably the most important point and i bet most people would agree with me after having listened to the episode is about the man the story about the man from bc who chose death over financially ruining his family and that just obviously struck a heart chord with me and it's so sad to think about how that's actually happening nowadays. We think about how that happens a lot in the United States because of their their healthcare system and how it's not free and how it's so expensive, but Canada's healthcare system isn't foolproof. Yes, it's free and most things are free and it's it's really great system. Maybe it's inefficient in some ways, but when when we sit down and think about it, it's not hundred percent free right we there, there's other expenses that we have to take into consideration and just look at hey people can't afford this people are still dying because our system has a few flaws and alberta lung is trying to fix one of those flaws in lung transplant specifically and covering obviously like i said in my first point the largest group geographical area in canada that we serve here in edmonton so i think it's important to keep his story going to have that push us towards breathing space and, and and fundraise for that what seems to be an incredible amount of money but his story and and people like him are just reasons why we have to keep going and we can't stop because people don't deserve death just because they can't afford the life-saving surgery If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to continue hearing about all the wonderful lung health initiatives that Alberta Lung is taking on, feel free to subscribe to our channel on whatever streaming service that you're using right now. I'd like to think that Lee and I covered all the bases, but we're only humans, so if you'd like to learn even more about Breathing Space, see the initial renderings of what the building is going to look like, and most importantly, donate please visit www.ablung.ca forward slash breathing dash space dash 
home-away-home. Obviously, that is an incredibly long link, so an easier way is just to look up ablung.ca and navigate to the breathing space portion of our website. It's super easy to find. Be sure to keep an eye out for August's podcast. We have a very special guest lined up, and I am so excited to do the interview for everyone to hear. Okay, well, I guess that wraps it up for this edition of the Unsung Lung Podcast. And I'll just say, as always, just remember to breathe.